Welcome to St James Bible Bites. This podcast was recorded live at our Sunday morning service. The talk is by the Reverend David Wilkie, entitled Growing Faith. The readings are taken from the second letter of Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, and John 21, verses 15 to 22. You can watch the whole service on our Facebook page, as well as our YouTube channel, both linked on our website. So I am reading um, from the second letter of Peter, the Apostle, to the church in the, or the Christians who lived in Turkey. They were facing a time of um, fear and rejection and possibly persecution from the non-Christians around them. So this was a words of encouragement. And I am reading, so I'm reading 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, and I'm going to read that from the message. Do not put it off. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we will ever receive. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your ticket to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on the world, corrupted by lust. So, don't lose a minute in building on what you have been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent word wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love each dimension fitting into and developing the other. With these qualities active and growing in your life, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature into the experiences of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you, oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. So, friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice for you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this, and you will have your life on a firm footing, the streets paved and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our Master and Saviour, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. And our gospel reading this morning is taken from John's gospel, right at the very end. It is John chapter 21, verses 15 to 22. And the title of this section is Jesus reinstates Peter. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, 
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, St. James's Church. Hi, everyone. My name's Dave. I'm the curate here, soon to be a vicar somewhere else. It's my second to last preach here. And uh, yeah, you'll get to hear more on the 4th of February, which will be my last message to you all. Um, but uh, I love that I'm bringing these, exploring these passages with you this morning. Can I just say it's an incredible honor to do so. Thank you for being here. Whatever effort has brought you here this morning, whether you had to miss breakfast or set an alarm or uh, you know, the effort of choosing your clothes, whatever, um, thank you, thank you that you are here. Thank you so much. It's so often something we can take for granted, isn't it? The amount of effort that goes into putting on a Sunday morning with the tech team and worship and all the preparation that goes into it, and you getting here as well. So thank you. I love this story of Peter, and we're going to look into that a lot this morning. We're going to delve deep into this, into this story of Jesus reinstating Peter. But first this morning, it's, uh, well, actually, I, I really enjoyed the, the message translation there. That caught me off guard. Do you know, often in, in the normal translation, the, new, new, um, the NIV translation, it says things like, uh, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. And my mind goes, well, what does election mean? And what, you know, what is my calling? And all these questions come up. The message just says, do it now. And I'm like, yes, okay, <laughs> do it now, come on, like, let's grasp these gifts from God, and let's, let's just do it now. Um, and I love the urgency of that, the command of that. Sometimes it takes a fresh translation. If you find you're getting bored of the Bible, read a different translation. It brings it into a different, different thought, different angle. Um, so thank you, Sarah, for reading that in the message. This morning, uh, we're doing values and visions, so it's carrying on our vision statements, and today's all about growth, growing. How are we growing into the disciples of Christ? The thing about vision is we often want to look backwards 
in order to look forwards, don't we? If I, you know, we just tend to get stuck in the past. Things that have worked before, let's do that again because that worked. And let's, uh, let's do that again. It would be a bit weird if I was stood up here talking about vision and talking about this amazing year we had in, do you remember 2018? Maybe not. Yeah, 2018, that was a wonderful year. We did this and we did that. Let's do that again, guys. You're like, well, that's not that inspiring, really. We've done 2018. It's 2024 now. Has, is the world different? Is Jesus' word different? Has, is God doing new things? Yes, he is. God is doing new things. We, we love films that look back into the past, uh, like time travel films, don't we? Like, well, I do. Back to the Future, Time Machine, all these things, they project vision into the past. They say, like, we can change our present state by going back and changing things. What a wonderful thing that would be. I wonder how many of you think, oh, if only I could do school again now, knowing what I know. I wonder how, if I would do things differently. Or I wonder if I know what I know now, would I have chosen that career path? Would I have said that hurtful word to someone? Would I have done that thing that I did that led me on this path? It's wonderful. I love to go back and change so many things. We get things wrong all the time, don't we? And often our, our sense of vision is actually going back and changing what we did before so that we can live a perfect life now. But it's ridiculous. It doesn't work that way. And God doesn't work that way. Isaiah 43, 18 to, 18 to 19, is something we have focused on as a church quite a lot. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm making a way in the wilderness. That says that the present day, our, our right here, right now, is a bit like a wilderness. It's a time of uncertainty. It's a time where, yes, we feel broken and lost and confused about the suffering, about the conflict in the world. Uh, looking at the news this week, I certainly feel a bit uncertain and lost and confused as another conflict kicks off. And yet, on the other hand, we know with certainty that Jesus has won and conquered it all. That there is a time when tears, there will be no more tears. That, the, that God has defeated death on the cross. And yet, so we're in, we're, they have these streams throwing through the wasteland. Now, how do we do that? God is doing new things all the time. Now, God is in the business of the future, of making new creation, new thinking. At the time in the Middle East, in ancient Middle East, a lot of cultures around Israel, they had like a, a, cylind a cylind cylindrical, a, a circular pattern to life. Let's go for circular. I can't pronounce the word this morning. You know, they, 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 they thought that chaos and order, life and death, mistakes, it's all just one big circle, reincarnation for the Egypt, Egyptians. You know, all those kind of like things just kept repeating themselves. There was no escape. You just kind of live life, die, live life, die. There's all these like, whereas actually God changed all that. He created a road, a, a new way, a stream in the wasteland to say, actually, History is linear. My works, my kingdom will come about. 
We're not just going to keep creating the same mistakes you do over and over and over again. Things are changing. Revelation tells the story of a new Jerusalem here on earth and God winning. Romans 12, 20, Romans 12, 2, I love this verse, says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, the pattern of the same mistakes over and over, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as we look for a vision of the future, let's just not go back to what we did before as like, this is what we have to do. But let's, with courage and with creativity, Look to the future and say, what is God doing now already, even without us? What is, what is God doing at work out there in the community? What's happening that we can join in with? And it's an exciting time. Now, going back to the story in Peter uh, with Simon Peter, the disciple, I love it because it is a real collision of his broken past, of his wilderness. A short while ago, Jesus has been sent uh, to the cross. He's being judged by the high priest as guilty and all these things are going on in the temple. And meanwhile, Peter is outside, gathered around a fire. And he's gathered around this fire to keep warm. And someone says to him, aren't you a disciple of Christ? And he goes, no, not me. And again, they ask him, aren't you one of his disciples? No, I don't know Jesus. Aren't you a disciple of Christ? No, I don't know him. I don't know him. And then the cockerel crows, and he runs off upset because Jesus predicted that he would betray him, that he wouldn't, you know, that he would do this. And then comes the one, the most spectacular exchanges in the whole Bible, I think, between God and our brokenness. It's this remarkable thing of Jesus' gentle advance towards him. He starts a fire on the beach. He starts cooking him some breakfast and invites Peter to come over to him. They sit and they have fish, they have breakfast. So I wonder if you were Peter, sat there, warming yourself by a fire, but now with Jesus, wouldn't it take you back to that moment when you betrayed him? It would take you back to that very moment where you let it go, that your hope disappeared, that you betrayed him, that you thought, actually, I'm rubbish. And Jesus here is gentle, isn't he? They have breakfast first. How wonderful. He didn't go, Peter, you were rubbish, weren't you? Come on. He said, here, have some fish. <laughs> I love that. Jesus' gentle advance. And Jesus is gentle with us this morning. If there is something you need to bring to God this morning, if you need to ask God, do you love me? Or if God is asking you, do you love me? It's, it's a gentle experience. It's not going to be fire and brimstone. It's not going to be a, a... God's character is one of grace. And he wants what is best for you. So this gentle advance is, is wonderful. So Peter's around this fire. And then Jesus goes right to the point of pain. It's, uh, he, goes, he goes right to it by saying, Do you love me? He could have skirted around the issue, and so often it's tempting to do that in life, isn't it? So let's just talk about the weather. Let's talk about someone else. Let's uh, talk about, oh, we're doing well in this, aren't we? Rather than actually going straight to the point of pain, the place of growth, of revival, of, 
of redemption. He says, do you love me? And Peter says, well, yes. Yeah, I do. And then, and then I love this. Jesus doesn't say, oh, well, well done. Try better next time. He doesn't just pat him on the back, does he? Just like, well done, Peter. Better luck next time, eh? I'm sure you'll do better next time, eh? Go on. <laughs> he doesn't do that. There's none of that kind of like shame or guilt or anything piled on. There's none of that go sit on the naughty step for a while while you reflect on your mistakes. And we've all done that to our kids. No, no, maybe. <laughs> um, maybe there's a place for that sometimes. Um, uh, but Jesus doesn't do any of that. He says, feed my lambs. Like, whoa, but I'm, I've betrayed you, man. This is like I've done something terrible. He says, feed my lambs. Be a shepherd like I am. He, gives, he fills that void of guilt and shame and brokenness with a challenge, with a command, with a purpose. So, glad I got away with that one then. Okay. And then again Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Uh, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, take care of my sheep. Another command, feed, care. He's filling this void. Please don't ask it a third time. <laughs> the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? At this point, Peter was hurt. Jesus has gone right to the point of pain, hasn't he? He's gone to the heart issue. Simon betrayed him three times. I keep using Simon. It's Simon Peter. I, sometimes I'm saying Simon, sometimes saying Peter. Forgive me. Don't get confused. Same person. So it goes straight to the point. Do you love me? Because he betrayed him three times. He says, no, I don't know him. Do you love me? Three times. Peter was hurt. Sometimes we're scared of that hurt. We're scared of opening ourselves up to God because it will hurt. But that is where the healing and growth is. If we want to be a disciple of Christ, we need to be willing to let our guard down, to open up our hearts to what God wants to do with us. And yes, it will hurt. But isn't that better than just ignoring that pain, than locking it up, carrying it with you, and not dealing with it? It's so tempting to do that. And a lot of us are very bad at that dealing with that hurt. Do you love me, Jesus said. He said, and then Simon Peter replied, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Jesus says, feed my sheep. I can't, he's been given this amazing role of leadership after betraying Jesus. It's incredible. The shame and guilt are replaced with purpose and meaning. Now, I think we all have um, things in our past. I'm sure there's every one of us have things in our past that we haven't dealt with here today. And I believe that there is an enemy out there that loves, loves to put hooks in your back with a rope and drag you back to points of the past that we don't want to deal with. 
that we're guilty, that we're feeling ashamed of, that we're filled with guilt, that will stop you from growing into the person that you are called to be. It could be small things. I, I remember um, when I was, I was with the prayer ministry team earlier this morning, and we were praying, and uh, for some reason this story dropped into my mind, so thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that prayer. I remember being in year seven at a, a school in North Walsham in Norfolk, and I, I was stood next to my friend Chris Lee, and he was tall, lanky uh, fellow. Um, and I was lined up for P, waiting to go for cross-country. And I thought, oh, I fancy trying out this cross-country malarkey because uh, my friend Chris was doing it, and it looked like a good thing to do. And I remember being there waiting to go on this cross-country run, and the PE teacher coming up to us and going, and looking at Chris, and then looking at me. And he said these words to me. He said, David, I don't think you'll ever be a good runner. I know! I was broken! I still am! (laughs) He looked at Chris and went, and, and for justification for his words, he says, look, his build is a natural runner's build. He's slim, he's got long legs, big stride, he will do well. You don't have that. You are not built to run cross country. And you know what? I beat, no I didn't, I didn't beat Chris. <laughs> I didn't beat Chris at all. I, I, I really struggled. And, and how I, well, I wonder now this morning if that voice has been with me all my life since I was in year seven at high school. You are not built to be a runner. And if that, that plays in my psyche, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not m- meant to be doing something. And, but I'll still give it a go. But there are things, I think, that are said to us in our past that do play out if we let them, if we give them weight if we hang on to them. And I bet that teacher doesn't remember those words. He's probably just thinking it's some kind of lesson for the boys to learn about their physicality, I don't know. But I remember it, and it's hooks into our past. They can really hurt. In Luke 9:62, Jesus says, no one who put, puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. If Jesus asked you to do something, he has put you here on this world to be who you are, and yet we keep looking back to the things. We're not fit for the kingdom of God. Whoa, this is quite a harsh instruction. Then there's that weird story in Genesis 11 where you get Lot and his wife escaping Sodom and Gomorrah it's about to be destroyed, and the angel says to Lot and his wife and two daughters, don't look back. Keep going across the plain. Do not look back. And they're running away as the fire and brimstone start coming down. Lot's wife looks back. Do you remember what happens to her? A pillar of salt. She gets turned into a pillar of salt. These are like harsh things that happen. We look back. That's an interesting imagery, isn't it? If we keep looking back, salt is no good for anything in those days. They used to, con- when people conquered lands, they used to sow salt into the soil to destroy the crops. It couldn't, you couldn't grow crops on a field of salt. 
They would ruin the economy of the area by sowing salt into the ground. You're no good if you keep looking back, if you keep hanging on to mistakes of the past. It's not going to do anything good for you. And yet, being human, we, are, we have these inbuilt repeating patterns, don't we? Our subconscious plays like an automatic role in the way we do things. I wonder if you remember learning to drive a car. It was really hard at the start, checking your mirrors and your signal and your gear stick and all the stereo and like there was so much going on I just felt like it was bamboozling and I was like, I'll never be able to drive and yet in time it's just muscle memory so I, I play the guitar and same with playing guitar I remember starting and it was like this impossible thing how is this hand this rhythm going to cope with trying to focus on chord changes and yet after practice it just seems to happen it's muscle memory and that can be a positive thing we can learn to live life with discipline, like in, in the passage we read in Peter. In goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance. These are good things, but they can also be negative things. You can have the script running around and around in your mind that you're not good enough. That you'll never run that race. Repeated negative patterns. President Theodore Roosevelt famously said um, that comparison is the thief of joy. The modern culture today has social media, and while sometimes it can be a good thing, bring us closer together, it can also be a severe negative thought pattern on the youth and our culture of today, because we are comparing each other to, you know, comparing each other all the time that we have to master ourselves into being this amazing fitness fanatic, into dieting, into having incredible time management, into traveling the world in pursuit of pleasure. I'm not getting enough of this. Look at this person. They're doing amazing. All this like... And we have this repeated thought pattern that actually maybe we're not good enough. That we... we, we you know, we keep looking at other people. We keep looking behind and thinking, ah, I'm not sure if this is, if I'm good enough, if I'm living life right. And Jesus says, do you love me? He doesn't say to Peter, okay, so next time, step one, say, yes, I know Jesus. Step two, he doesn't lay it out like that. He says, do you love me? At the heart of all of this is your faith in Jesus. Do you love Jesus? You start there and see where that leads you. And you fill your life with things that bring you closer to Jesus. Little things. You might be uh, watching or listening to certain like Christian media. You might be attending a small group. You might be spending time with other Christians. You might be opening your heart to someone next to you or the prayer ministry team this morning is saying, you know, I've carried this word with me for so many years now that someone said, I'm no good at this thing. I need that dealt with here today. I really do because it's, it's destroying me. Um, okay, I've missed out a big chunk there, but that's fine. Um, I, I want to end on this story. I think it's time I was finishing. Um, that my wife has given me permission to share. 
And this, I love this story um, because it, it flips the script slightly. So in 2012, the Church of England voted no to women bishops. Despite the archbishop urging people to do so, and it being uh, the, you know, the bishops and the clergy said yes to it, the laity said no. They lost the, they lost the majority, and uh, therefore they said no to women bishops. Now, at this time in 2012, my wife was studying uh, to be a priest at Theological College. And um, it was quite a macho. It was quite a macho time at Trinity College. Some, some year groups, you go there and there's majority guys. Or it's, it's not, it wasn't like that when I was last there. But at this time, it was majority guys. It was a very macho year group. And we're, there wasn't really much hurt felt there apart from this small group of women that were training and felt called by God to be clergy, to be vicars. And so they met together and they cried. They were broken because what that message said to them was that they weren't good enough, that the Church of England didn't want them. And there were tears and they prayed together. And as they were praying, uh, Donna remembers uh, just being there broken in tears, going like, God, do you, you, know, do you love me? Does it, does it, am I meant to be in the Church of England? My whole calling feels like it's falling apart. I don't understand. I feel betrayed. I feel hurt. I feel angry. What is going on here, God? I feel like you've called me. And so they gather together to pray. And this other lady called Claire lays hands on Donna. Uh, my wife, and she just starts praying in tongues over her, and she's praying in tongues, and then uh, and Donna's sitting there, and then she hears very clearly the words, "I love you," and she remembers like opening her eyes, and going, "What?" And then Claire's just in tongues again, praying in tongues. And then she hears very clearly again, "I love you," and then she hears again. I love you. And then it stopped. And then she remembers like opening her eyes after the prayer time and she said to Claire, uh, Claire, and Claire's a fairly straight-laced lady. She wouldn't normally do that kind of thing. She said, Claire, did you say I love you? And Claire was like, no. I was just praying in tongues. I didn't, I didn't don't remember saying anything. And the other girl there was like, don't know what you're on about. And Donna was like, What? <laughs> What just happened? And do you know the other amazing thing that she's hung on to was that, that that voice, I love you, was said in a woman's voice. It wasn't a booming masculine voice from heaven going, I love you. Often we think God might be that kind of character, right? I love you. It was, a, it was a woman's voice very clearly saying, I love you three times. And that point totally transformed that situation from one of brokenness, of betrayal, of anger, of uncertainty of the future, to purpose, to, to challenge, to realism that God loves, loves her, that God loves me, and that God might also be a woman. Whoa. <laughs> So I wonder this morning, if you're in a place where um, you might need to ask God, do you love me?
do you love me, God? Because I don't feel it. I feel angry. I feel broken. I feel hurt about things that have happened in the past. Do you love me? Or maybe you're feeling challenged by Jesus this morning to ask, and he's asking you, do you love me? Do you love me? Because some of the things you're doing, some of the things you're saying, some of the things you're thinking aren't what I would do, think, or say. And I want you to grow into being the most amazing person that I've created you to be. So please, do you love me? Do you trust me with your life? Do you want to follow me? If that chimes with you this morning, um, please, please speak to someone. Please go and see the prayer ministry team. Please just open yourself up to what God might want to do. But let us pray to finish with. If you'd like, uh, close your eyes, open your hands, open your body up, and it helps. The posture of openness really helps to open yourself up to what the Holy Spirit is doing here this morning. Holy Spirit, would you give us the strength to say, I love you, that you are Lord and our Savior. Spirit, you know our hearts. Jesus, you know us. You have made us. And if this morning we can't even do that, Lord, we cry out to you and ask, do you love me? Would you fill us with your love and peace this morning? Would you fill us to know that we are loved, that we are treasured, that we are made in your image, and you have a purpose and a meaning, meaning to our life that goes beyond the patterns that we are living that goes beyond the words that have been said over us. So Lord God, we ask you to remove these hooks from our back that the enemy are trying to pull us back into things of the past. Cut the cords. There is power in the name of Jesus here today. For more Bible Bite podcasts, simply visit our website www.stjamestaunton.co.uk and click on resources. Thank you for listening and may God be with you today.